I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. During Women's History Month, today is the last day. Uh, during this month, we've talked with women leaders from business to politics and government to higher education. But there's one group of women that all leaders that I've talked to in Utah, in Washington, D.C., and around the world could learn something from. It's a group that has the ability to literally change the world. What group is that? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Bonnie H. Corden, who is the Young Women's General President in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she leads an extraordinary group of young women uh, who are uniquely positioned to lead the world. I asked her what she has learned from young women, young girls, while serving as the Young Women General President in the Church of Jesus Christ. So many things. You know, I think the thing that I love about the young women is what our prophet has kind of given us the vision about who they are. And these young women just fit this mold. In his address that he gave in 2018 in June, he talked to all the youth. So this was youth, young men and young women. But I love that they're linked together in this invitation. But he said of them, he, and I love how he calls them, my younger brothers and sisters. <laughs> and then he kind of paints the picture and he says, you are among the best the Lord has ever sent to this world. And then he goes on and says, you have the capacity to be smarter and wiser and have more impact on the world than any previous generation. Now, I love that the prophet is so succinct with his words because he didn't say that they are smarter or they are wiser or they will even have more impact. But he did say they have the capacity to be so. And so when you stop to think about these young women all over the world, and we, I've sat in a mud hut, I've sat on a little bench, but their dreams and their aspirations, we've sat in palaces almost with them, are the same. Um, and they do have the capacity to change this world. They could be the biggest support, um, bring more hope and joy if we would allow them to be part of the process. Yeah. Young women, once they realize who they are, the reason why they're here, and that they actually belong, move forward with great confidence. Yeah. 
we were talking about the recent passing of uh, Madeleine Albright, the first woman to be Secretary of State in the United States. And she often talked about young women. Uh, and she also said that she was an optimist who worried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're an optimist. Yeah, uh, I probably <laughs> worry a lot. So what, what worries do you have? What are the challenges that young women today face that worries you? Mm. I actually asked a young woman when I was with her in Bakersfield on Sunday as we sat knee to knee. I said, what do you see as some of the things that young women are worried about? And she said an interesting thing that um, gave me a moment to pause. She said, we want to be trendy. We want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be a, a necessarily a bright light. Um, and this was her perspective, but there is some truth to it. Young women want to be fashionable. They want to fit in. They want to be part of this mold, especially at these tender ages from 11 to 17. No one wants to be too weird. But with that, our world is a heavy place sometimes. And the experiences that they um, have just even walking the halls of school. You know, we've got now social media. We've got digital access to a lot more traps and, and vices that we never had before. And the young women are struggling. They're all trying to find who they are. Mm -hmm. And so you look at places. Everyone's looking in social media, so I'm going to look on social media. Mm -hmm. And instantly they say, this is how you dress. This is what you look like. This is how you talk. Mm -hmm. This is what you're, is expected. And then there's a lot of anxiety and concerns with those. Yeah. So I think that puts an extra pressure on our young women. Yeah. Uh, we often say that uh, viewing your life through comparison is always fatal vision. <laughs> uh, and I think that's especially true for, for women and for young women in particular. Uh, how do we help them with that? How, how do we help them get beyond this constant comparison to... You know, their best friend who's great at this or someone who looks perfect in that or someone who's so smart uh, that they're not. How do we get past that comparison vision uh, to a little clearer vision? You know, and I just to increase the concern on that comparison is huge. We used to compare ourselves to the yeah. person next door. Now, because of social media, they're comparing themselves to the world and they're comparing themselves to constant social and fashion. And, and so it's a challenge. How do you help that? There's some simple things, mm -hmm. and they're so simple that sometimes we look over them. One of them is actually the theme. One of the challenges, I think, anytime we compare ourselves to someone else is a sense of that we have to be perfect or we have to look a certain way. But opportunity to realize that repentance is, oh, I'm going to totally mess up. And the Lord's fresh out of perfect people, and he just has us. Hallelujah, we have this great gift. Anyway, it's for these young girls, it's a power. Once you memorize something and go over it, when you're being bombarded with comparisons and, and frustrations or loneliness and all the things that come with the mortality, memorizing something and having it right there to draw on is powerful. So it's kind of a roadmap. So I highly suggest that moms, women, daughters, even little ones, memorize the young woman's theme. Yeah, I love that. 
Uh, I want to talk about that connection between women of all the different ages. You just strung them all together <laughs> in a beautiful way. Uh, and we do have so many out there that uh, don't have that that friend or that mentor or that person in their life that can make such a difference. Uh, we see this in business. We've seen it in so many different places. When there's a coaching or a mentoring uh, relationship, everything really changes. Uh, you have an army. Uh, the, the Young Women's Organization has to be like the Relief Society, one of the oldest and the largest <laughs> women's organizations in the world. And you have an army of women of all ages who are there to help these young women. How have you seen those relationships between leaders and young women uh, really change lives and improve things? You know, it's fascinating how much the Lord trusts young women. Because at a tender age of 11, we actually call them to lead out in organizations. They may be a class president, and then they have counselors. So these adult leaders then, their role is to help mentor, guide, and shepherd them so that they understand how they lead out. What does that look like? Teach them how to counsel. Teach them how to actually minister. So those relationships are actually built upon the adult women realizing, I'm not the one that's leading but I am going to teach her all the leadership that I have inside of me and so that she can be a wonderful leader and that she'll have the resources that she needs. And then hopefully the reality is that she turns her to heaven. Yeah. Because in our, in our world, sometimes we as women, we want to be the source of all the answers. <laughs> and instead, we want them to turn them to the source yeah. of all the answers so they can be a great support. I, I think of an opportunity that we had to be with a gal who um, told us a st her story. And she, at the age of 13, her family chose to, um, her mom and dad chose to walk away from the church. And she said, I was excited because that meant I got to sleep in. She was at 13. Who doesn't want to sleep in? She was kind of cheering. And she said, after three weeks, I realized that there was something missing in my own life. And so she said to her little brothers that were 10 and 9, you have to come with me to church. And they're like, well, Mom and Dad aren't going to church. <laughs> and she said, well, you have to come. So they did. They, those two young people, with their conviction, went to church every week, sat by themselves. But what happened is wonderful people around them, women and men, realized that they were there. They helped support and every week they did that. Now she's 17. And she has been a ray of sunshine to not only others around her, but sp specifically to her family. So our youth can be a great support also. We're going to stay with the conversation a little longer as we wrap up Women's History Month, especially focusing on young women. Coming up, I asked Sister Bonnie Corden about what impact young women are making in their local communities all over the world. Stay with us to find out what she had to say. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio, Inside Sources. On the last day of Women's History Month, we're talking about young women, the challenges that they face, and how we can link arms with them to make a difference. I asked Bonnie H. Corden, Young Women General President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, about how she's seen young women around the world make an impact in their local communities. If you want something to move, ask the youth to be part of it. Not only be part of it, but to be the brains of it. Um, I was talking to a gentleman who was working with helping revitalize part of a downtown area. 
and they had the, the adults all organized. And he said, we tried to organize the youth. And about six or seven came. And we weren't really getting the buy-in that we wanted. Finally, he said, we changed our approach. We gave them the budget, and we said, could you organize it? He said, we have over 120 youth mm. that come to their activities, and they're coming up with ways to revitalize this downtown area. I thought, brilliant. Yeah. You know, and with the crisis that's happening right now, we are finding that the youth are helping these refugees come in. Mm. They're counseling together, what can we do? Where can the, where's the need? And they're coming up with their own ref, you know, ways to look at it, um, a fresh perspective. I was talking to a gal who works with an organization who helps with refugees. And she said, we have found that in the refugee areas, if we allow the young women a space to counsel, they come up with some of the best ideas of how to help this camp move forward. So we see that youth and young women have what's in them to be part of the solution, be part of the support. Yeah. They want to help what they help to create yeah. and not just be given an assignment. Yeah, everybody wants to be part of that story. Yes, right? absolutely. They want to be part of writing the story yeah. Yeah. and creating the story and seeing what adventures will come out of that. So as we come out of the pandemic uh, in a herky-jerky sort of <laughs> whatever that really is kind what of that way. Looks like. uh, it, it presents kind of a new beginning and kind of a shaking the rust off of a few things as well. Uh, as we do that, as the young women around the world come out of kind of the throes of the pandemic and all the challenges that that brought with isolation and uh, anxiety and depression and discouragement and all of those things, uh, what do you hope that the young women learn or that they're focused on as they come out uh, of the pandemic? The pandemic was really hard on the youth. It was very hard on the young women. And I think we still have haven't seen all of it yet. I think that they're needing to find a space that they're comfortable in again. I hope that the young women will be kind to each other and help each other come out of the pandemic. I think we'll have a lot more success if we allow them to work with each other in this process. I was in D.C. and we were asking some of the youth for some help to demonstrate something in front of a lot of peers. And I was kind of surprised that we didn't have a lot of volunteers. Normally in these settings, before the pandemic, a lot of hands would go up, yeah, I'll do it. But they're a little more apprehensive. So you can tell that maybe through the isolation, they're not quite as comfortable and they're still trying to make sure that they don't stand out too much. Mm -hmm. So I hope that the youth will really take a moment and realize everyone needs a friend. I need a friend, and we can do this together. That's wonderful. Uh, as we look at these young women, they're they're starting age 11 on up, and then they sort of end this crucial decade that has all kinds of challenges from just personal to hormones <laughs> to school to parents to all of the things. And, and yet so many things get kind of set during that important decade of decision. Uh, what are the things that you're hopeful that young women are learning that will give them confidence uh, to make those decisions? Well, I hope they're learning to love 
and to put him foremost in their life. You know, it's really easy to say, but as they spend that quiet time, because of the social media, other things in our life, we've walked away from that quiet time. Sometimes as we wake up in the morning, immediately that phone and we're scrolling and seeing what's the next notification. Could we learn to pause and really take advantage of those connections to heaven that we can have. And the other thing is then love their neighbor and look out for each other. We do so much virtually that sometimes we do not have eyes to see what is really right next to us. You know, I think it's so interesting so many times, even in the scriptures, it says, look, and they look. You know, we probably need to be taught to look again and see who needs our help because what they'll find is joy as they reach out to help someone else there's been uh, so many uh, across the board uh, as you look at particularly in in north america uh, of the younger generation uh, leaving religions of all kinds and, and 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 faith groups and to me it seems that there's sort of this uh, you're you're on the highway and everyone's looking for an exit ramp uh, whether they're leaving a synagogue or a mosque or, or a church or chapel, uh, young people today seem to be looking for that exit ramp. Uh, and, and I found that exit ramps are always very enticing because there's food, <laughs> there's fuel, there's fun, uh, there's relaxation. It's a stop. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna break free. Uh, and of course, often we find that those exit ramps really don't lead you anywhere, but they do slow you down a lot <laughs> on your progress. As you look at the the young people of today that may be looking for those exit ramps what's what should they be thinking about in terms of uh kind of the why and the joy i love that you brought in this component of joy because i think if we're doing checklists the exit ramps look really really good but if we know why we're on that freeway or where we're going uh, so what, what would you counsel young people today before they choose one of those exit ramps from whatever faith they may have. Isn't that fascinating that the young people that are flourishing and that are really in a space that are happy are those ones that are connected to deity, Mm -hmm. are connected to a faith and principles Mm -hmm. that help them realize, I've got a purpose. So if you know who you are and that you're connected to heaven and that you have a purpose bigger than you are, instead of just, I'm here with the herd, but it's hard because you don't want it. Many of them don't want to stand out. Yeah. But I think with that quiet worship, that individual space that they need to create, you know, it's sometimes you have to disconnect to connect. Disconnect from social media. Take a fast. Do some of those things that just build your soul again. And then you can connect not only to heaven, but those around you and find that sweet joy that comes to just speaking and realizing that you have a a support mechanism. Now, social media is great. I mean, I use social media, but there is a space for that, and there's also a space to just disconnect from that. Any other examples, or um, whether young women or old women, uh, women who we can look to uh, as role models or examples, uh, maybe even a, just a particular trait uh, that you've either read about or observed or experienced yourself now obviously the the person that i love to emulate is jesus christ because all those good traits but some of the people that i some women that have those traits one of them is ardith cap i love 
watching her because even in her wise years, she's always learning and she's always reaching out to others. She, um, I happened to be in a function and there was sweet Sister Cap putting her arms around this girl that loved to write. And she was listening so intently. And I know that girl felt like she was the most important person at that function. That what a wonderful attribute to be able to be so interested. And the years, the gap in years was immense. And then I take that same attribute to a young girl in the Philippines. As we sat on her little cot in her home, her mother had recently passed away. And she said, my whole goal is to get as much education as I can. And then she paused, because I want to make sure I can take care of my little sister. And the responsibility, but the joy that came, because she knew who she was, and she had a purpose, and she was just focused, and it was actually on making sure that little girl who was just three years old had someone in her life that could support her. So I I take these two women... One, the little girl in the Philippines and Sister Cap. There's just some attributes that you just treasure. And, you know, I love sitting knee to knee with any woman. It doesn't matter their age because there are those tender angelic attributes that just shine. And I wish and I hope that women will link arms, that we find we're more alike than we are different. And as we link arms together... And we learn from each other and we build and we listen and pause for a minute to enjoy. We find that there's there's exceeding happiness just being together. But I also think it's all with the men, too. There's some great strength that comes with just humanity together. I love that President Corden finished by talking about Ardeth Cap, a formal a former leader uh, in the Young Women's Organization uh, who at a senior age is still making a difference, not because of a title, but because she's a woman who can make a difference. And this young woman in the Philippines uh, getting that education so that she could make a difference. Uh, ultimately, it is about linking and locking arms. And these young women are most extraordinary. The Young Women's Program has impacted millions of young women all the way around the world. Special thanks to Bonnie H. Corden, Young Women General President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Stay with us. More Inside Sources coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.